Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. All the inhabitants of the mountains from Lebanon, as far as the brook Mizrephoth, and all the Sidonians, them I will drive out from before the children of Israel. Only divide it by lot to Israel as an inheritance, as I have commanded you. Now therefore, verse 7, divide this land as an inheritance to the nine and half tribe of nine tribes and half tribe of Manasseh. Welcome, everyone, to today's edition of Truth in Christ Radio. In our study today, we learn that each tribe of Israel was responsible to possess their own land completely. God is high on the concept of personal responsibility and initiative, not only because that's how things get done, but also because that's how people are blessed in service. We are blessed by personally taking responsibility and initiative in trusting God to do what he has called us to do. And now, let's join Pastor Rob for today's message. Wrestle that away. There are people today that would love to just tear that away from God, but that's who he is. We better leave him alone. We better trust him. When he says it's time and that time is up, he's got a really good reasons for saying so. And I ought not to question it. So notice in verse 18, Joshua made war a long time with all those kings. It was about a seven-year campaign. So verse 19, there was not a city that made peace with the children of Israel except the Hivites, the inhabitants of Gibeon. Remember, the Gibeonites kind of deceived the Israelites and feigning that they were something that they really were not. But they did it to save their own neck, and you, and you honestly can't blame them. You can't blame them. But because of their uh, lacks at the time, because of their lack of obedience, because of their keen spiritual discernment, which they didn't have at the moment, they didn't seek the Lord in this whole thing, the Gibeonites bamboozled them, and now they've, they're in this pack with them. Now they've got to help them. They've got to save them from these from this, uh, southern uh, kings that were going to come up against them, because now they were confederate with Israel. Verse 20, for it was of the Lord to harden their hearts. Notice, that, that's, kind of un, that's kind of unsettling too. It kind of reminds me of Exodus with Pharaoh. For it was of the Lord to harden their hearts, that they should come against Israel in battle, that he might utterly destroy them, and that they might receive no mercy, but that he might destroy them as the Lord had commanded Moses. Again, hard to, hard to read, but God is a God of justice. He's, he's not necessarily fair, but he's a just God. Is it, do you know the difference? 
God is not necessarily fair, but he's just. Because why would he allow Isaac and Esau? Why would he give the greater blessing? Why would he say through Jacob, you know, would be the, the, the coming Messiah would come through, but sorry, Esau, I'm still going to bless you, but you're not going to be, uh, you know, in as prominent as your brother. That's not fair, is it? Everyone would raise the flags and say, that's not fair. Yeah, it's not fair, but God is just. There's a difference. He's just. And why is this? Why would God, you know, uh, do this kind of thing and actually destroy them? Because the Lord had already passed judgment upon that, those, five, those seven nations, didn't he? There's verses of justification, and, and if you write anything down tonight, write this verse down. It's Deuteronomy chapter 20, verses 16 through 18. I call it the verses of justification. <laughs> because God's going to justify why he did this, why he did this. And I think it's good for us to understand the mind of God, and sometimes he does give us reasons why he does certain things, and other times he doesn't. And this is one place where he does. He says exactly why. To go into these seven nations, completely destroy them. <gasps> You've got to be kidding. I thought you were a God of love. And well, he is a God of love. He is a God of love. Let me read it to you, but just remember, Deuteronomy chapter 20, 16 through 18. Memorize this verse if you have to, because people don't understand this. This is one of the biggest hurdles for people to get through today, because God says something like this, and he means business. He says, but the cities, God speaking to the children of Israel, he says, but of the cities of these peoples, which the Lord your God gives you as an inheritance, you shall let nothing that breathes remain alive. But you shall utterly destroy them. And he lists, the, lists these nations, the Hittite and the Amorite and the Canaanite and the Perizzite and the Hivite and the Jebusite, just as the Lord your God has commanded you. And why? Why is he going to have them do this? Here is the reason. Here is the justification for it all. Verse 18, lest they teach you to do according to all their abominations, which they have done for their gods, and you sin against the Lord your God. In fact, that's the reason why God is going to dispossess them. He's going to allow the Israelites to come against them and dispossess them and take them out of their land and destroy them because of that very reason. Again, it's a hard pill to swallow, isn't it? But again, these people have been sinning and they continued to sacrifice their children on the fires of the altar of Molech. They've continued to do these horrible things. And if any one of us were to see that going on for 400 or more years, actually, more than 400 years, I think every one of us would say, you know what, Lord, you're justified in destroying them. They did not turn from it. They knew it was wrong. They know in their heart that it's wrong. But they've been deceived. But there is... There is a consequence for sin. You know, recently when I was in Florida, I was watching Fox News with my family, and I saw something that came up that was pretty startling. On the news it says, starting July 1st, and I'm looking at a, a thing directly from a screenshot from the, from the television. Starting July 1st, 2020, in California... Students can't be suspended for willful defiance or disruptiveness. The existing law applied to grades 1 through 3, but now they're extending it and expanding it to, to, for grades 4 and 5 as well. What that means is, is that if you're uh, in first grade through fifth grade, you can do whatever you want in California schools, and they cannot suspend you. Starting July 1st, this year, crime does pay. 
Disobedience does pay in certain states. It really doesn't, but that's what the message they're sending. Do you understand? Do you understand how crazy and unhinged things are? And it's because they've neglected God, they've rejected God, and now they are in a place where they are going to pay the price. The price is already coming to fruition. The, the, roost, <laughs> the rooster is it, it's coming to pass. It's coming to pass. And yet they, they can't seem to see it. It's almost like they're blind. And it won't be long. Our state will do the same thing. Our state has done some even more atrocious things with the Reproductive Health Care Act that Andrew Cuomo has passed. Shame on him for what he's done. May the Lord save his soul. Verse 21. (laughs) And at that time Joshua came out and he cut off the Anakim from the mountains, from Hebron, Debir, and Anab, from all the mountains of Judah and from all the mountains of Israel. Joshua, again, utterly destroyed them with their cities. And none of the Anakim were left in the land of the children of Israel. They remained only in Gaza, in Gath, and in Ashdod. That's an important thing to remember. You might want to put a little star next to verse 22. Because for whatever reason... These were not destroyed in Gaza, in Gath, and in Ashdod. They were still Anakim. Remember, the Anakim was this race of giants. And and they were there before the flood, and they were destroyed, and and they were there after the flood. And and that's a whole other Bible study. But something wicked and strange about this race of people, but they they were very large in stature. They were very feared. And so, for some reason, you know, Joshua... Uh, had snuffed out many of them, but there remained only in Gaza, in Gath, and in Ashdod. And it makes you wonder why they didn't go after them and and destroy them all. And do you realize that the the result of not doing that, 400 and some years after this event, who was going to pay the price for that? The children of Israel again. When Saul became king, how many times did he go after the Philistines? Finally, David, this little young strapling of a teenager, comes up with a sling and stones, and he looks at Goliath, a son of the giant, of Anak, a descendant from this race. And he takes him out with a stone. And I love this event. It was God's will. (laughs) I mean... David could have ran, he could have put that stone in that leather pouch, and he could have ran straight up to Goliath, and he could have swung it around and slung it, and somehow it could have gone all the way behind him. I've said this before, but I, it feels so good to say it again. He could have slung that rock, and it would have went right behind him, and it would have went all the way around the world and hit Goliath in the back of the head because it was God's will. <laughs> God meant business. But for whatever reason, they were left to continue because remember... Goliath was a champion, and he, his name was Goliath, and he was from Gath, from this place. From, he was a Gittite. He was from Gath. So the ramifications of not finishing this campaign had future ramifications, didn't it? And see, that's, that's the difference of obedience. And how many times have I been disobedient in my life, and those Choices that I've made have had repercussions in the future. I can't escape them. And the number of times that I've been disobedient to God and, 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 and disregarded those things, it ultimately culminated in my life when I was 24. Because of my disobedience and my lack of, of, of devotion to God, not knowing him, eventually a life becomes wrecked. 
Eventually, a life comes to rock bottom, to where all you can do is look up when your life is a complete smoldering mess. When you fried every relationship in your life, you spent all of your money, and in fact, you're, you're in such debt from credit cards that there's no way out of it now. The interest, you can't even pay the interest payments because there's so much. The relationships that you've made, you've hurt. The people you've hurt. And you find your, your kids leaving you and taking drugs. And you yourself are now taking drugs. And the next thing you know, your life is just a, a big shambled mess. Verse 23, so Joshua, he took the whole land according to all that the Lord had said to Moses. And Joshua gave it, notice, as an inheritance to Israel according to their divisions by their tribes. And then the land rested from war. And boy, what a happy day that must have been. To finally have gotten the big cities, the really big armaments, they, they got the big enemy out of the way, and now all they had to do was go in and possess the land, and these small little pockets they should be able to take care of in a very short period of time. But we know that that didn't happen. In fact, because they didn't do that, because they weren't obedient, do you understand that that was ultimately to their undoing? Because they gave in, they started looking at these people as they were going, oh, they're not so bad. What is this that you're worshiping? Oh, this is a, 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 a statue that my father made when I was a little girl. Wow, that's pretty cool. What, what, what's the name of that God? And then the name of the God is spoken, and she's really cute, and that Hebrew boy is going, you know, she's really not so bad. Tell me more about that God. Next thing you know, they're kissing. Next thing you know, there's a baby. Next thing you know, they're marrying each other, and then everyone else is going, well, they're not so bad. Look what happened to him. God didn't judge yet, so it must be okay. And then the children of Israel learn idolatry. They learn idolatry, and ultimately it leads them into captivity. When the Assyrians came in 722 B.C., they came and they plucked them out of their land. The northern ten tribes, Sia, took them into captivity, led them into the land of Assyria by fish hooks in their mouths, in their lips, in their jaws. They would just run the hook straight through, and you'd be led on a chain, like a chain gang, led back to Assyria because of their disobedience. Let's get into chapter. So chapter 12, which we won't need to get into, is really just a cataloging. And this really is the bridge from what we have heard so far before we get into chapter 13. Chapter 12 is nothing more than a catalog of all of the enemies, all the kings that were conquered by Moses first, Sihon, who was the uh, the king of uh, of the Amorites and Og, king of Bashan, and all those peoples along the eastern side of the Jordan River. All of those kings were, were taken. All those peoples were destroyed. And the, three and a half, or the two and a half tribes, Reuben and Gad and the half tribe of Manasseh, they occupied that area. And then finally, the kings uh, in verse uh, 7 of that chapter, we see all the kings that were conquered by Joshua, the ones that we had talked about already as we've gone through the Battle of Jericho and Ai and Bethel and Gibeon and those southern tribes, those northern, or those southern uh, cities and the northern cities. All those kings, there's a listing here. And so now we get into chapter 13, and it says, Now Joshua, at this time, he was old. He's probably at least 100 years old at this time. He was old and advanced in years, and the Lord said to him, and I love this, it's almost like a friend. You know how when you, when you get close to somebody and you can say, you know what, you're really looking pretty old. You're look, looking like an old sack of potatoes. You look like a raisin. 
Has anybody ever said to that? You know, there's people in Florida, you know, elderly people, I don't know what it is, the sun just kisses them in such a big way that they look like a raisin, you know. But, um, but Joshua was well advanced in years, and the Lord said to him, you know, you're, you're a geezer. You're old. You're advanced in years, and there remains very much land yet to be possessed. And we know that he was probably at least 100 years old because at the end of the book of Joshua, it says that Joshua... The servant of the Lord, he died being 110 years old. 110 years old. Wow, what an amazing life that man had. And notice, and there remains very much land yet to be possessed. Again, their conquest of the land was for the big cities and the larger populations. They did that, and all they had to do now was just finish the work. Finish the work, and we know that they did not. They did not do that. So verse 2, this is the land that yet remains, all the territory of the Philistines and all that of the Jeshurites. Now, it's interesting, the Philistines are a huge uh, story, really, in, in the Bible, because we see them coming up over and over again. In fact, um, let me just read something to you, but maybe just write down the reference. Uh, Genesis chapter 10, verses 6 through 14. Again, Genesis chapter 10, verses 6 through 14. Let me just read to you a little bit of their origins, because we're going to encounter them uh, later on when we get into... Uh, judges, certainly when we get into First and Second Samuel, we're going we're gonna to see these people. And just to understand a little bit about them, it says in verse 6 of Genesis 10, it says, The sons of Ham, remember when Noah, when that boat landed out in Mount Ararat, that Shem, Ham, and Japheth, uh, the sons of Noah, were the ones who really populated the world. In fact, all of us in this room are either from Shem, Ham, or Japheth. All of the uh, Jewish people, all the Arab peoples, they all, most of them, are, certainly all the Jews, many of the Arabs, come from the line of Shem. And they call them Semites because it's the word Shem, uh, from Shem. They're Shemites, or Semites as we call them. They come from the line of Shem. That's why they call them Semites. And anybody who's opposed to them and hates them is called what? An anti-Semite, right? But there are, there are other people groups that came from the Ham um, uh, Ham is uh, mainly those from Egypt, but some other peoples. But notice in verse 6, the sons of Ham were, and they list them, Cush, Mizraim, Put, and Canaan. The sons of Cush were Seba, Havilah, Sabta, Reamah, and Sabtika. And the sons of Reamah were Sheba and Dadan, who we know now is in that those people groups are um, Arabs uh, from Saudi Arabia. Cush begat Nimrod. And let's just go right down to verse 13, because this is really the point. 13, Mizraim begot Ludim, Anamim, Lehabim, uh, Naphtuhim, Pathrusim, and Kasluhim, from whom came the Philistines and Kaphtorim. If you look at some old maps of Crete, you can actually see where there's a town called Kaftor. And the Kaftorites, or the uh, Kaftorim, came from this area. And the Kazluhim, and these were the Philistines. The Philistines came from Crete. If you look at a map, they went directly south into Africa. And they tried to um, make their home there. But the Egyptians and the Ethiopians kicked them out of there. And so they go up the Mediterranean and they land in what we know is the land of Israel now, the, the ancient land of Canaan, but now we know it is Israel, and that's where they remained, and that's the people group that Saul and David went up against. That's the people group out of which came Goliath, um, we believe. So, verse 2, this is the land that yet remains, all the land of the Philistines. This is where that people group came from in, in, in antiquity, 
and they're there right now. I mean, I mean, they're there at this time of the writing of this passage. They have to go in and take care of that. So verse 3, from Sihor, which is east of Egypt, as far as the border of Ekron northward, which is counted as Canaanite. Notice the five lords of the Philistines. And these towns are, are uh, still there today. The Gazites from Gaza, the Ashdodites from uh, Ashdod, the Ashkelonites from Ashkelon, the Gittites of Gath. These towns are still there in Israel today. I wouldn't want to visit any of them. And when we go to Israel, we never, ever go toward the coast of the Mediterranean, except when we're in Tel Aviv and we're around, I want to say, um, Netanya. There's a, there's a place sometimes where we used to go there, but there's a place where we might go. I don't know. But um, we, we don't go down south on the Mediterranean because that land is just filled with angry people, angry people who are, who are bent on destroying Israel or wanting to. But we don't, we don't visit those areas, and we never have to worry about that. But notice, from the south, all the land of the Canaanites, and Merah that belongs to the Sidonians as far as Aphek, to the border of the Amorites, the land of the Gabalites, and all Lebanon toward the sunrise. Where does the sun rise? From the east, right? It rises in the east. It sets in the west. So from your perspective, it rises in the east. Here's the Jordan River. It rises in the east, and it sets in the west. I always like geography. I, I, I love looking at maps, and I like figuring out where I'm at. And, um, and that's one thing that's really good as you're reading through these things. It's good to have a, another Bible or some kind of atlas next to you, and you can see these things. And it really helps you, and it's a lot of fun to see. The land of the Gabalites, I read that. Uh, from Baal Gad below Mount Hermon as far as the entrance to Hamath. All the inhabitants of the mountains from Lebanon, as far as the brook Mizrephoth, and all the Sidonians, them I will drive out from before the children of Israel. Only divide it by lot to Israel as an inheritance, as I have commanded you. Now, therefore, verse 7, divide this land as an inheritance to the nine and half tribe of nine tribes and half tribe of Manasseh. And so now we have all this land, and now we, we get to it. And beginning in verse 8, we're, we're going to be looking again uh, at the land that was divided on the east side of the Jordan River, which we already know because we've already been through Deuteronomy. We've been to the end of Deuteronomy where the, this, um, this event happens or has happened. So now it's just re- rehearsing some of the history for us. And now it's actually going to take place. And it's just re, um, reiterating it for us. So with the other half-tribe of the Reubenites and Gads, Receive their inheritance, which Moses had given them, verse 8, beyond the Jordan eastward, as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded them. I would encourage you in verse 8, and as we go into the next few verses, just make a note in your Bible to read Numbers chapter 32. Read Numbers 32. We don't have time to go there tonight. But again, this is um, just a, a, a recapitulation of things that have already occurred. And Deuteronomy also, chapter 3 specifically verses 12 through 22. So again, Numbers 32, and then Deuteronomy chapter 3, verses 12 through 22. That kind of gives this whole narrative, again, in order that you can read it, and uh, it's, it's really good to do. But notice verse 9, it says, From Aurorar, which is on the bank of the river Arnon, and the town that is in the midst of the ravine, 
and all the plain of Mediba as far as Debon. And so if you had a map and you were looking at this stuff, and sometimes it takes some doing because you've got to look, you got to find the, you know, you got to look at a handful of different maps to find these places. And it really is. It's a lot of fun to go through. I've always had this dream. I've got this big table in my office, and I would love sometime, somehow, some way, to get these really high-resolution physical maps that are just really large. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Joshua. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.